Jesus spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. And as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. All exclaiming, Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. The Bible is filled with great prayers. We are impressed with Solomon's prayer in 1 Kings 8. Abraham's prayer in Genesis 18, and Moses' prayer in Exodus 32. But this prayer is by far the greatest recorded in the Bible. Genuine prayer often reveals a person's innermost being. In John chapter 17, there is a unique opportunity to see the nature and heart of Jesus. In this prayer, Jesus touches on many of the themes developed in the gospel, such as glory, glorify, send, believe, world, and love. Now let's join Pastor Rob for today's message. Let me ask you a question. How important is prayer? It's pretty important. Yeah, it is important. And, you know, the Lord wants us to pray. And he didn't just tell us to pray, he modeled it for us when he had before, uh, we have before us today the Lord's Prayer. And so let's read it in its entirety, and then we're going to go back and take a look at it. So notice in verse 1 of chapter 17, and remember Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples, just hours before he will go to the cross. Jesus spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. And as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth, and I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. And now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. And for I have given to them the words which you have given me. And they have received them and have surely known that I came forth from you and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours and all are mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world and I come to you 
Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. And those whom you have given me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. And they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me will be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. An amazing prayer, isn't it? An amazing prayer. This has often been referred to in the Bible as the Holy of Holies of the New Testament. Just as Isaiah 53 is considered to be the Holy of Holies of the Old Testament, the prophecy of Jesus, the suffering servant that would come. And that's certainly true, but you know, I like to see the whole Bible as the Holy of Holies. (laughs) But there are certain passages in the Bible, and this is one of them that's really special. It's just really special because, you know, when we think of the Lord's Prayer, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Beginning in verse 7, and this is something we know very well. In fact, many of you who have come from maybe Orthodox backgrounds or maybe have come from the Catholic Church, you've, you've recited this prayer, this model prayer actually, probably ad nauseum to the point where it really doesn't mean anything to you anymore. Um, and, and that's a, something that we have to be really careful of. But people call this Matthew 6, uh, verse 7. Remember, Jesus says uh, to his disciples, he says, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. So in this manner, therefore, you ought to pray. And here is the prayer, but this, many have called this the Lord's Prayer. But let me suggest to you that this is not the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is what we're reading right now in John 17. 
The one that we're looking at in Matthew 6 is a model prayer. It helps us to keep focused. And so Jesus is giving his disciples a prayer, a model, if you will, to to think about as they go. And sometimes that's good because if you're like me, I can start to pray and my mind is scattered. But if I have a format that I can follow, that can help me. In other words, notice what the, the model prayer starts off with. It starts off with worship. So when you pray, pray in this manner. Therefore, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What is that but worship? And then you can spend some time just worshiping the Lord, just extolling how great he is and, um, and just telling him of, of how much you love him and, and how great he is and his wonders and his majesty. And then you can move on. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's another section, you know, of desiring for the Lord's kingdom to come on the earth. He, the kingdom of God is in us right now, but there's also going to be a time in the millennial reign where it'll be here. And, and physically, Jesus will be present with us. And then to give us our daily bread, you know, thanking him for his provision for our lives, you know, for all the things that he gives us to to help us to survive. You know, a home, uh, air conditioning, heating, especially now. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and all of these wonderful things. Thank him for the things that he's provided. And then, you know, and forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins or our debts. And that's another part of prayer. And you can spend some time on that. Do you see how it's, it's a model, really? And it helps us to keep focus because... Sometimes we can just get unfocused and we just start praying and we're, we don't even know where we're at And at the end. We're just kind of flying all over the place. But a model prayer can be helpful to help us keep things in order and to keep our mind focused on, on that. So that is the model prayer. It's a model prayer. But Jesus, go back to John 17 now. This is the Lord's Prayer. This is the Lord's Prayer. John 17. And it's an intercessory prayer because Jesus not only prays for himself, we see that in verses 1 through 5. It's a, pray, a prayer that he prays for himself. Yes, Jesus prayed for himself to his Father. And then notice, right around verse 6, uh, many of you, if you have a New King James Version Bible, they've put in the headings already for you, but then it's the, the Jesus prays for his disciples. And so from verse 6 to verse 19, Jesus is praying specifically for them because they were going to undergo certain things after Jesus' departure and they were going to need everything, every help from heaven they could get. And then finally, Jesus in verse 19 through the end of the chapter, he prays for all believers and that includes us. That includes us. And I'll have you notice too that when he does pray for his disciples and all believers, really what he's praying for are at least four things. He's praying certainly for our preservation because the world would hate us and that we would endure through the difficulty of life as Christians. Because this, this world, I don't know if you've noticed, is not very friendly to our Christian faith. And it's increasingly becoming more hostile. And we see that in Canada. We see that happening right now. We see that all over the world, actually. And we're one of the last holdouts. I almost kind of see America as one of the last of the few dominoes that need to fall for Satan to have all the world. I mean, he's got it really all in his hands right now, but um, the United States is a stumbling block to his program. And you, you Christians, all of us, we are stumbling blocks. And that's why the Lord will remove us at some point. He's going to remove us. And then the floodgate, there will be no resistance whatsoever. Do you realize that? That you and I in the world right now, we are the only resistance 
from the evil just overtaking this country. You, every one of us in this room, and everyone in sitting pews uh, that are born again in this country, in this world, they are the only thing that's keeping the tidal wave from overcoming them. But the tsunami is coming, folks, because when Jesus comes back for us, the tsunami is going to commence, and it's going to be ugly. You think it's ugly now? You think there's deception now? We haven't seen anything yet. And thank God, we won't see what they are going to see, unfortunately. And that's the truth. That's what the Bible tells us. But God wants everybody to, to come to him, that they could escape this moment of trial, this moment of temptation, this moment of wrath that's coming upon the earth. Soon, when the church is removed, we are gonna, the, the world is going to see a wrath of God for a world that has rejected his only means of salvation, Jesus Christ. So Jesus prays for their preservation. He prays also for their sanctification, to be set apart from the world and sanctified and set apart to him. And that's really what the idea is. And unity. He's praying for unity, that we would all have a oneness. Now, that doesn't mean that we all have, you know, envelop in, or engage in some kind of ecumenical thing where regardless of the differences and the problems within the churches, it doesn't mean that we just throw down all the doctrine and throw it away and just hold hands and sing, we are the world, we are the children, and have a Coca-Cola. You know, we're not, that's not what God wants. He, he's, got, he's got a remnant and that remnant is unified, and it's small comparatively to the world. But that's what God wants us to do. He doesn't, he doesn't, need, uh, he doesn't want all the churches to come together um, uh, with all their mess, with all their doctrinal mess, and think that it's okay. No, he wants his church, his true bride, to stand up and to... And we are unified. Do you know that? Right now, we in this room are unified. If you're a believer in Christ, we have the greatest unity than any other organization, any other entity on the, in the world. Companies and Fortune 500 companies would love to have the unity that you and I have. We haven't had a real a fight, a fist fight. We haven't had, I mean, we have our, our squabbles, but it's because of our immaturity. It's because of my immaturity. But when we're walking in the Spirit, things are, are, are just, there's a unity that's really wonderful. But Jesus here is intercessor. He's interceding. It's called intercessory prayer. And it's the action of intervening on behalf of another. And Jesus intercedes and he prays for us. In Hebrews chapter 7 it says uh, in verse 25, Therefore he, Jesus, is also able to save us to the uttermost, those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So Jesus is praying for us. He prayed for Peter, he prayed for Judas, he prayed for his disciples, and he says, I am now interceding for you. And he's praying for you right now, yes. And you think God the Father is going to answer that prayer? God the Son speaking to God the Father? I think it's going to happen. When Jesus prays for you, you're in good shape. But even the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself, the Spirit himself, not herself, not itself. Notice it's a him. Sorry I get on a little excited about this. But, you know, we live in a, a culture where, uh, you know, pronouns are a big deal. And God is not a she, God is not an it. The Bible says he's a he. And so therefore, I'm going to call him he. 
But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to what? The will of God. According to the will of God. But look with me at verse 1 back in our text now. Notice, Jesus spoke these words and he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son and your Son may glorify you. Two things to note here. Uh, Where is heaven? It's up, right? I mean, wherever you are on the earth, you look up and there's heaven. Because when Jesus looked up to heaven when he was in Jerusalem or in Israel, he's looking up because that specifies where God's domain is, where his dwelling place is. I love what it says in uh, 2 Corinthians. Paul said, It's doubtless not profitable for me to boast, but I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ, and Paul is speaking of himself here in the third person, of course. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And this idea of the third heaven is paradise. Jesus called it paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise and the third heaven are one in the same. The third heaven, so three heavens? What's that about? (laughs) Well, there's, there's three heavens that we believe there are. There's, uh, there's the earth's atmosphere right above us, the clouds and the cirrus clouds, and all of that is the first heaven. And we read about that in Deuteronomy. Moses speaking to the children of Israel before they went into the promised land. He says, But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water from the rain of heaven. He's speaking of that first heaven, the rain from heaven, that first sphere above us. And the second heaven is this interplanetary space which inhabits the stars and the moon and all the planets and those things that we can see, the galaxies and all of that. That's the the second heaven. In Genesis 15, verse 5, uh, when God spoke to Abraham, it says, Then he, verse 5 of Genesis 15, Then he, God, brought him, Abram, outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. So this interplanetary space is the second heaven. But there's also a third dwelling place, a third heaven, and it's the very dwelling place of God. And it tells us in 1 Kings chapter uh, 8, verse 30. Remember, as David was uh, passed from the scene, his son Solomon built the temple. And in building the temple, as he dedicated the temple, what did Solomon pray? It says that, Lord, that you may hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when you pray toward this place. Here in heaven, here in heaven, your dwelling place. And when you hear, forgive. So we see in Scripture these three different heavens. And when Jesus prayed, notice that he didn't close his eyes. (laughs) At least here he didn't. I mean, you can close your eyes. But you know, when we look at the psalmist, we look at Psalm uh, 123, what did David say? Or the psalmist, excuse me. It says, unto you I lift up my eyes, O you who dwell in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. And so the psalmist would look to heaven and lift his eyes 
And in 1 Kings, we just uh, read it, some of it just a moment ago, but Solomon, in the beginning of his dedication, he, it says that he stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel, and he spread out his hands toward heaven, and he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or on earth below like you, who keeps covenant and mercy with your servants. Or who walks before you, uh, who, who walk, um, your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. So I'm sure as he's lifting his hands to heaven, he's not looking at the ground. <laughs> he's addressing the one. He's lifting up his eyes to heaven. So let me just state the obvious, you know. Um, why do people close their eyes when they pray? There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. But it's something that you know we we often think about. You know why is it? I think part of it is perhaps to re- the reduce uh, the feeling of being uncomfortable. I mean, think of how weird it would be if I'm praying to God and I'm looking at Aiden, and I'm like, God, you are so awesome. Your Majesty is so wonderful. You are just incredible, Lord. I love you. You know, and so when I'm looking at him, he's going to get really uncomfortable as I start to extol his Majesty. I mean, there's majesty to extol there, but, you know, I'm, I'm only kidding. But, but, you know, but when I do it, I, I, look, I, I, I can close my eyes, and, or I can look up. It doesn't matter. God doesn't care about your, your position when you pray. He doesn't care if your eyes are open or closed. But culturally, we tend to close our eyes, and there's nothing wrong with that, because sometimes I'm in a room, and there are distractions, and there's times where I need to close my eyes, because I need to really think about who it is that I'm speaking to, and then I can, wor- I can worship him, I can talk to him, and I'm, I'm focused. And I, sometimes I need to do that, because if I open my eyes, there are all these distractions wherever I'm at. All right? And so, there, again, there's n- this is not a big deal. It's just something to be aware of. And you may notice from time to time that when I pray up here, I have my eyes wide open. Don't let that creep you out. You know? So it's a, I think it's a church tradition, and it's not a bad tradition. You've got to do what you've got to do to stay focused. That's the main thing. And for heaven's sake, keep your eyes uh, open and on the road when you're going on 490. Okay, So pray with your eyes open. And also, if you're uh, using any heavy equipment, John, you know, uh, if you're using any heavy equipment at work, make sure you keep your eyes open. You know, <laughs> so we don't want to close our eyes. But we can do that. We can pray to God at any time. But notice, he says, the Father, Father, the hour has come. Notice that in verse 1. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. You know, there was a time when it wasn't Jesus' hour. And we've been through this before. There was a time when it wasn't his hour. And then there was a time that it was his hour. And obviously, Jesus is not speaking about a physical 60-minute hour, but rather an indeterminate period of time that really spanned, really, the last week of his life before his crucifixion. Jesus, in John 7, verse 30, it says, Therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. In John chapter 8, verse 19, John chapter 8, verse 19, the Pharisees, speaking to Jesus, says, Where is your father? And Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father, and, and, and if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And these words spake Jesus in the treasury and he taught, as he taught in the temple. And no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. This was earlier in his ministry. But there was a time when his hour would come. And, uh, and we will see that in John chapter 13.
That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.